morning, morning everyone. Morning City Life Church. Um, so happy to be talking to you guys some way this morning. Welcome to our corporate headquarters here at Shamoy's apartment building uh, downstairs. Uh, this obviously isn't ideal and it's not what we wanted as a church to be meeting like this. Uh, I long for us to be back together soon. Um, but um, and it wasn't possible this morning and we felt to be responsible and to be loving we would try and do it offer this word in a couple of ways uh, before i go further i want to first thank everyone on the oversight team and all of our mc leaders who have already put in so much time and so much effort and so much prayer and so much of me bothering them to get into meetings to address our where we're going to be and all of our plans going forward and so thank you so much already City Life's biggest resource will never be our budget, will never be our programming, will never be the things that we do, but it will always be the people that we have. And so thank you all for um, your love and support and your prayers and reaching out. We are committed to being a family still. We will continue to be loving one another as a church and finding ways to connect. And um, just unfortunately, we just don't know how long this season will last. And even if we have to go other routes from the school or from meeting somewhere else, we as an oversight team will be finding all those avenues out and communicating. And so unfortunately, things like our major, outs major outreach event that was scheduled for next week, we are rethinking and we will be in touch with you this week. And even what that means for next Sunday and the Sundays after that, we will be in communication. We will probably even over communicate at nauseum to you guys, just so that you guys know that we are committed. We're still a church body and that God is not longing, not asking for us to um, disintegrate in this season. We still are passionate about reaching the vision, living out the calling that he has for us as individuals, as an, as a church. And so look out for the ways that we're gonna be communicating with all of you. You know, uh, all of you should have received a big email that we sent out churchwide on Friday night. If you're not on that, please go to our website and sign and submit a form for us to be able to put you on that uh, Get Connected form. Uh, our MC emails, are we're going to be communicating through that. That touches the most amount of people, so look out for MC emails. Our website now, we just created a page specifically for updates about our church and all of the information and details around uh, the coronavirus and where we'll be meeting. So look after that. We will try and keep that up to date as much as we can. We won't necessarily be posting about the, the virus and information about that, but church specific and where we're going to meet and all of that. Uh, and as always, we've been saying this for weeks now, if you're not connected to our social media, please reach out, go to connect somehow on our social media so you can get all the up to date informations. We are trying to make this as streamlined as possible and get the information out there um, because we really, really love you guys and we really are going to miss um, being together. And I also, before we get into the word for today, I just felt an overwhelming desire to read a song that I think is so applicable for where we are at and what God has to say to really the entire world about what's going on now. This is a Psalm 91. I encourage you to take out a Bible and read it for yourselves too, but I will read it for us. Keep this psalm in your heart in this coming season. Psalm 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, 
my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snares of the fowler and from the deadly diseases. He will cover you with his pinions and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near to you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear up to you, lest you strike your foot against the stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder, and the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. Then he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life I shall satisfy him, show him my salvation. And so what a wonderful promise that God gives to all of the world, that if we take refuge in him, that um, we'll be taken care of, you know in a world where sin is a part of, we know that we will suffer. Some of us might get this a virus, but as a church, we know and we rest in that God is our refuge and that he will take care of us, that he will be with us in the hard times is what also we just read. And so, um, yeah, let's continue to be the church together. Let's continue to serve one another. Let's continue to be smart and clean with our bodies. Um, and also let's, meet as MCs for as long as we can and and hold to our community. You know, we said in the email to be the Hebrews 10 church, to not neglect meeting, um, but also to be smart. And so I have been really relying on God's sovereignty in this season and the oversight team has to lead our church through this. And we also keep in mind the words that Paul gave us about faith, hope, and love, and that love is the greatest of these. So. Let's continue to love one another as a church, find new and innovative ways to be a church when we don't have a building. Because we always say that our church is more than a building, that every church is more than a building. And so what an opportunity to practice that. And so let's pray together um, as we go into the word for today. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you that um, whether we're at home or we're we're together and an MC gathering, Lord, that you are with us. We thank you for your um, supervision over our lives, Lord. We ask for your sovereignty to reign in this season and for us to uh, connect ourselves to you and what you're doing in this world like never before, Lord. This is a time where mm, none of us have gone through something like this before, not to this extent. So, Lord, we throw ourselves um, at your feet and we take refuge in you and we ask for you to be sovereign like you have been every day of our lives until now, Lord. Thank you for the promises that you give us in scripture and we ask that um, you be with us and kind, kind to us and uh, protect us and help us to draw people to you in this time of uncertainty. 
And so, Lord, I pray that the church, that our church, will um, become stronger and grow through new believers in this season. Um, we rely on you for all these promises. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're going to be in Mark again, and I actually wrestled a lot this week to, to know whether we should uh, stay in what we've been in in Mark, or if we should really address this specifically. And so I wanted to read Psalm 91. We were going to read Psalm 91 no matter what today, but I really erred on the side of staying in Mark, because actually this week's passage to me deals with a lot of the questions, the big questions that the world is asking right now. You know, whenever something like this happens and it comes out of nowhere and we're so surprised and we're so shaken, it's good to remember that God is not shaken. He is not anxious up in heaven and that he gives us words uh, in scripture to remind us in these times of the important things, of the deeper things. And so I think today's passage works on a lot of levels and I wanted to, for us to stay in Mark to have some of these answers more concrete in our hearts as we go out and pray and deal with what's happening on the inside, what's being exposed in the inside, but also to go forward as representatives of Jesus and be able to talk to people and answer some of these questions that are honestly being difficult for people to answer. And so I'm not trying to make today's sermon apply 100% to what's going on in the world, but I feel like anytime we preach the gospel, it addresses deep issues that people are asking. You know, we really feel like we're losing a lot in this season. And if you don't, I do. Even the routine of daily lives. I'm Brazilian, even the fact that I can't hug people or give them fist bumps. To me, that's a big deal. That's a lot of change. I feel like I'm losing there. Um, and yet we also know that people who don't know Christ experiencing loss and confusion on a level that maybe we don't even remember anymore. And so we need to be uh, attentive to that. In the CMA, we talk about crisis moments in, in people's lives. And though, yes, this the corona is a crisis global movement right now, this is more specifically talking about the crisis moments when God is ordaining special times in our lives to address these issues, to address what we believe in him and what we don't believe in him. And so this is a crisis moment for our city, for our country, for the whole world. And, and um, Mark 9, for verses 42 to 50 address some of these big issues. They address Jesus's commitment to his love and his justice. They address what sin does in the world and the destruction that it causes in us. And it also addresses what God wants for us to carry in this season and in every season of life, which is his peace. And so let's read Mark 9 verses 42 to 50. And then um, we'll pray. We'll pray so that we can enter into the word together. Um, and the verse says, God's word says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter lame, it better to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell where their worms 
where their worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone who will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how can you make it salty again? Have salt in yourself and be at peace with one another. Let's pray again. Lord, uh, we just read a story of yours. I pray that you would uh, empower me to bring life to this, that your spirit would bring life to this, Lord, that we would reconnect with some of these really deep questions, with some of these really deep issues in life, Lord. Speak to us. Use your word to speak to us exactly where we are, for us to see your sovereignty, for us to see your love, and for us to see what you may be doing in this, in our world around us, Lord. Lord, um, I pray for comfort, I pray for health, and I pray for provision for all of our families. Please help us to connect to your spirit today like never before. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So today's word is this crazy word, right? Is this where we see Jesus being wild man Jesus again. And where he starts talking about some really heavy things and then he takes an unexpected turn and starts talking about salt and how somehow salt also represents peace and so today we're going to be talking about this in three different sections so point one i've just been calling it the millstone all week uh the millstone and what god and god's commitment his radical commitment to justice and to loving you let's read verse 42 again Verse 42 says, whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him if a great millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. Do you know how much Jesus is committed to his justice, committed to his righteousness and committed to you? He's saying to people here who will um, get in the way of someone's spiritual development. Of a child here, he's talking about someone who is young in their faith. That if anyone wants to mess with what Jesus is doing in their lives, it would be better for them to put a millstone, tie a millstone around their neck and throw themselves in the seas. This millstone was this huge stone. It was at least five feet in diameter, and it usually weighed more than 3,000 pounds. And it's what they used to grind the grains and grind the olives to make olive oil and oil for them to live on and jesus is like the picture that he's really saying here is that if you want to mess with one of my children if you want to mess with the spiritual development of someone who's coming to me who is my child it's better that you would kill yourself than what i am going to do to you you know the sanitized version of jesus the the Sunday school version of Jesus that we are all pretty familiar with and comfortable with does not match with this version of Jesus. And so I'm sure some people come into this verse saying, okay, it's great. Pedro's going to explain this away. He's going to smooth the edges around how this is not really Jesus being wild man Jesus, but there makes some sense or there's something in the context here that makes it a little um, not so sharp. But that is absolutely not what I'm trying to do here today. That Jesus is so committed to loving you, so committed to bringing you to good things and to righteousness and to truth, that he is like a jealous mother, a jealous father, or a jealous mother bear for her children, that he will not stop with anything. In Revelations, we see that Jesus is the lamb, and he 100% is the lamb. He's gentle and loving and compassionate and forgiving. 
But Jesus is also the lion. He is also wild and he is also strong and ferocious. And so Jesus is saying to anyone who would believe in him, anyone who is even taking baby steps towards believing in him, that he is so committed to you that he will do, he will protect you. And this has really, really been making me think a lot about um, what's going on, you know, around us today. To think about like um, the difficult things in life, the difficult areas that we don't are not always equipped with. And so I've been thinking a lot about God's judgment. You know, if he is here saying that he's so committed to uh, us believing in truth and in righteous, his righteousness, then um, our ultimate hope is that Jesus would be so radically committed to his judgment. You know, the Old Testament paints these two pictures of, of the judgment day and of his judgment. You know, great Psalms like Psalm 97 and 98 celebrate this and long for Jesus's day of judgment. You know, Psalm 97 verse eight says, Zion, hear, Zion hears and is glad and the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgment, O Lord. And then one chapter later, 98 verses eight to nine, it says, let the rivers clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the people with equity. And so we see that there's like, God's judgment is awesome. And it is what we long for as believers. It is our ultimate hope that God will come in and judge. But then also Old Testament talks about in Ezekiel, about the day of the Lord and Ezekiel 7, where it's going to be a hard day. It's going to be a sad day. There's going to be gnashing of teeth. And we have these two ideas that go hand in hand. Like it's just like we have these two wild Jesus, lion Jesus and lamb Jesus. And the Old Testament never answers the question ultimately, should we long for this or should we be afraid of this? Because it's both. And in times like this and in seasons like this and with important things like our lives and our souls jesus is saying that he is so committed to you that he was going to love everyone that people are going to be drawn to him through repentance but that he is also he is our god he is our righteous god and he is perfect and so he will uphold judgment he will hold righteousness and truth and it's to our hope because if jesus doesn't do that then our tears won't be wiped away and our, the world's suffering won't be healed and so we need both. We need Jesus to be this radical defendant of us and our lives and judgment for all of creation, just like in Psalms 98, that the rivers even celebrate. They clap this and long for this. And so today I want to remind us that Jesus is one of the four pillars of the CMAs, that Jesus is our coming king and that we need him to be our coming king and that it's his perfect righteousness that is able to judge the world and we need to long for that and bring others into knowledge of that in this tough times where people are asking these questions we need to let them know we need to let you know if your heart is hurting in this season that jesus so loves you and that he's so committed to you that he says to the kingdom of darkness to sin to this world to any of these evil forces or spirits that it is better for you to kill yourself with a millstone than it is to distract one of my kids or someone who's going to make a decision for me. And so City Life Church, let's find comfort in knowing that Jesus so loves us that he would come pay the price so that he could bring healing to the entire world. And that is up to us to also bring this out to everyone else.
The second part of our sermon today is, I've been calling it, Hand, Foot, Eyes, and Gehenna. And it is uh, super interesting to me. Let's read verses 43 to 48 again really quick. 43 says, And if your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life crippled than with two hands to go to hell, to the unquenchable fire. And if your foot causes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter life lame than with two feet to be thrown into hell. And if your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. It is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than with two eyes to be thrown into hell, where the worms, where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire. That was into verse 49. And that is so interesting. This is a part where we need some cultural um, knowledge to understand really what Jesus is talking about. Because he's talking about his commitment to us, and then he starts talking about cutting off our body parts. And he talks over and over about hell, where there's going to be unquenchable fires, and there's going to be worms all the time. And Jesus' listeners knew what he was talking about pretty well. Because he was actually um, talking about one region just outside of Jerusalem called Gehenna. And Gehenna in the Bible became known as one of the like, most common pictures of hell because Gehenna was a horrible, horrible place. Gehenna was just outside of Jerusalem to the southwest in a valley called the Valley of Hinnom. And it was where Jerusalem went to go and throw out their trash to burn their trash. You see, back in the Old Testament in Jeremiah 7, we learn that Israel had been really deceived by some false prophets and by some people who did not know God. And they started, Israel started sacrificing children to a pagan god called uh, Molech. And God saw this and he rightfully stops it and he called it an abomination. And out of all this ugliness, I imagine such evil in Israel, such evil in God's holy land, that no life from that point really ever entered into Gehenna. And so why build, why live in such an area where such a bad thing happened? And it turned into Jerusalem's waste, into Jerusalem's dump. And so it makes sense that there would be a fire burning 24 seven that never stopped because you, need, you needed that fire to burn through all that garbage. You know, let's talk about all these worms consuming and being just generally gross and nasty. And it's because it fed off of all of the garbage. And so it's I'll put these things all together and it's such a sign of the oppression that sin causes, the oppression that the kingdom of darkness has in our lives. That really when there's something evil, no life can grow out of there. And to us, to you and to me, I want this to be a reminder that there's never any life that comes out of sin that there's never any redemption or any good qualities when sin is in our life. That just like the, that place had its own fire that never went out, that was disgusting, that was dirty, and that bad things happened there all the time, that sin is just like that fire in our souls. I don't want to over-spiritualize this, but it is a truth that when sin is in our hearts, when it's in our lives, all it cares about is destruction and burning and killing. Now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, the last sermon I gave two weeks ago about the kingdom of darkness and how they do not care for anything good to come out of your life. And so this really, to me and to you, I think it really speaks to the areas of our lives where obviously the bad, the bad sins are apparent and they're wreaking havoc. 
But what about also the areas of life where we think are easy sins or small sins or manageable sins? You know, I love that this story talks about sin and death in terms of a fire. Because once a fire gets going, it's never going to stop itself. You know, a pastor friend of mine talked about how if you have a fire in your living room, it's not just going to burn your couch and then say, okay, I'm done. But it's going to try and spread and consume everything it touches. And so this is a reminder for you and for me that nothing good ever comes from sin. You know, if there are the areas in our lives where we are okay with this, or we think we're gaining an advantage from there, or our anger really helps us here, or helps us to get things done, or to get people to do stuff for us, or even things like I heard a pastor preach about how like flirting, like, oh, flirting is fun. Uh, oh, it's okay. No one's going to see this. It's harmless. All the areas of sin where we've said in our hearts, this is okay, or I can manage this, or it won't spread. You know, God's word paints us a picture of warning that it's better for you and for me to cut off parts of our bodies, important parts of our bodies. It's better for us to be lame than to let this fire burn in us and consume us. It's better for us to not be able to see correctly. It's better for us to not have hands than it is to allow sin to consume us because at some point, years down the line, we're gonna realize how burned we've been. We're gonna realize how much we've lost in the process. And we're also just gonna realize that, man, I can't contain this anymore. And so don't ever settle for sin in your life. Don't ever let sin just find a comfortable place in your heart because it will not stop there. God's word tells us it's better to be lame, it's better to suffer. And now obviously, I hope this is obvious that self-mutilation is not what Jesus is really preaching here. You know, God made your body, he loves it, he wants you to have all the appendages that you were born with. Uh, this is a hyperbole, but Jesus is also a part in the same vein of Jesus' radical commitment to righteousness and truth, that we need to remain radically committed to truth and to righteousness because sin is like a fire and it will destroy everything that it can. And so really our only relationship, the only relationship that scripture tells us that we are allowed to have with sin is that we are either, we need to be the ones killing sin or sin is killing us. I'll say that again. Either we are the ones killing sin in our heart, in our souls, in our lives, in our actions, in our perspectives, in the little things that we think don't mount up to much, or sin is the one that is burning and consuming us, taking more ground in our lives, in the things that God has for us, and the good things that we want over our lives and the people. And so today, like we're in these MC gatherings, or you're at home right now, and so we can use this to talk. Talk with your family, talk with your other MCs. Today, repent before you leave the room if you have unconfessed sin. If you have things in your life that you know you need to speak out loud and get rid of to take away the enemy's power over it, don't leave this opportunity today. You know, this, this season that we find ourselves in, though we're losing some things, there's also tremendous opportunity in us meeting as MCs or meeting in your homes. Let's capitalize and use this time now to give Jesus more and more reign of our heart over our hearts. Don't leave your MC gathering or don't leave this discussion with your spouse or a friend um, without repenting of things that you need to get rid of. 
know, God cares deeply for the health and well-being of your soul. He wants you to be whole. And sometimes the first step is just confessing. Confess your sin to one another because you're not gaining anything from that sin in your life. And so before we leave, we will, we will talk about this in our MC gathering. We will give time to pray for one another. And even if you're just at home alone, pray with someone. Call someone up on your phone if you're alone. But don't let this day go without repenting of something in your life or just getting it out there that you need help. Because if that fire, the sin, fire of sin burns too much, then um, we need help from God. We definitely need help, God. And we need help from other people to help us and to give us truth. And so that's the second thing that we are talking about today. And then so Jesus is talking about all these really big things, all of these really heavy things, all of these really important like soul level things trying to get us to to confront us and what we believe and to expose what we really believe. And then all of a sudden he takes some left turn and he starts talking about salt. It's pretty funny. I don't know why, but it makes perfect sense. Verses 49 and 50, Jesus goes on and says, For everyone will be salted with fire. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, how, how will you make it salty again? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. Okay, salt, a lot of times in, that, in those two verses. But Jesus here is talking about, hey, how, you know how the kingdom of darkness, you know how the world and our flesh, all of these things have fires that burn and consume. Jesus has his own fire, but his fire is different. Instead of burning everything and consuming, destroying, and killing like all the other fires in your life, Jesus offers a fire that's a refining fire. A fire that says, you know what, I'm going to burn away all the bad things and leave something that's good. And here he talks about salt. And why is salt good? Here it, he straight up says in verse 50, salt is good. What is this salt? What is this fire that Jesus says and promises to give to us? Uh, this salt can mean a lot of things. I'm sure it means a lot of things, but Jesus here specifically addresses one thing that his salt definitely is. Verse 50. Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. You know, it could be a lot of things, but one thing that this salt definitely is, is peace. It's peace on so many different levels. Here he starts off by saying peace with yourself. You see, peace to me, I often think of peace as, can I sit in a room by myself, no distractions, just me, my heart, and my soul, and God, and will I be okay? That's my picture of judging whether I have inner peace or not. But peace isn't about uh, temperament. It's not about character or personality. It's not about if you're an introverted or if you're extroverted. But it's this state of being whole. Like, are you whole? Do you, are you able to know in your soul, in your spirit, in your heart, in your mind, that God promises to take care of you in every single way? Do you have this peace? Or like in the Old Testament, we see this shalom that is just this state of being full, of being satisfied, of knowing that God promises you to take care of you. We see today that he promises to be uh, a wild defender of yours in your development, in, in your calling him Lord, that Jesus will protect you. We see that Jesus offers a way for us out of sin through his fire that burns away all of the things and just leaves us good things. Like when you have peace, can you 
be okay with all of the things that Jesus promises? Can you know in, in all of the different levels of who you are that you are well taken care of and that God has something good for you? You know, here he talks about peace first with yourself. Like yourself without going to anyone else. You and him, are you full and characterized by peace? Now, can you have this level of certainty in yourself that God is so perfect and so able to take care of you and everything that you need? The second thing that he talks about is peace with one another. You know, peace between you and me and peace between all the people in your lives, all the difficult people, all of the good people, the believers and the non-believers, the people who hate you for being Christian and the people who love you for being Christian. Do you have peace? Is peace a residue of your life wherever you go? Is peace this thing that people know you by? And so do you have peace? Can you live a peaceful life with one another? That's often a big test to see how far deep in your heart God's message has come and how much of this new creation you have become. Are you peaceful with yourself and are you peaceful with one another? But we also, though Jesus doesn't address it in this story, everything about his life, everything about his ministry, everything about him coming down here to us shows us that God also wants us to have peace with him. That Jesus' whole ministry, his whole purpose was to come here and make it so that we can have peace with the Father. Make it so that there's nothing separating us like sin has always separated us from. You know, Romans 12 talks about this in such nice ways. It talks about how we are a living sacrifice. And I think that so perfectly sums up a lot of what we're talking about today. Is that, if, that we are sacrificed, that we are daily being sacrificed, that we are daily suffering and losing but yet daily we still come back to this, Jesus, I want what you have for me and I accept everything that you want to bring into my life. That you will continually be giving up more of yourself, more of your struggle, and that in this fire that you throw, that Jesus offers you, only good things will come out. That in this season of the coronavirus, globally, locally, in your life, that uh, something good will come out of this if you keep on doing this, living the sacrifice thing every day that Jesus promises for you. And so, peace. Do you have this peace that God promises to give you at the end of all of this? And so, guys, I this feels very funny for me. This feels very different. You know, this is the inaugural City Life televangelism ministry that we're about to start today, I guess. Uh, I would really love to be with every single one of you guys. I long to be with us together, and I'm praying that day, day, that day comes sooner than we even expect. But we also have the advantage of using these settings that we're in today, to be putting this to our benefit. And so as a group, if you're in a group, if you're in one of these empty gatherings, or if you're with just your spouse or your family, here are some activities that, like, we let's utilize this day, let's utilize this time. And so let's talk about three things that we talked about today in the sermon. The first one is that, hey, if there's anything in your life that you need to repent of, that you need to say to God or to someone else, I'm really struggling with this. Don't leave the room. Don't leave the day. Don't wait. There's no reason to wait. Confess it uh, and pray. Pray for God's fire to come and to take care of that. Because remember, sin is either killing you or you're killing sin. And so be courageous in your fight against sin in your life. Cut off any area 
of your of your life or relationships or anything that gets in the way because we want to be radically committed to Jesus' truth like he is to us. The second thing, we cannot let this season go by without letting God really instill prayer in the life of our church. You know, we're scattered today, but we are still one body. Spend time in a group and pray today. Pray for our world, pray for our city, our state, our country, people who are suffering, people who have lost loved ones around the world. Uh, just because it's not astronomically high numbers doesn't mean that the suffering is any less. And so let's pray that this problem here, even here, is contained and that we don't have to live like this for very much longer, that we can come back together, that God would make a way. Pray for all of these needs. Pray for jobs in our congregation or for people that we know in our lives. Pray that God will provide financially. Pray Psalm 91 over you and your family, asking God to protect us, asking God to keep us healthy because God promises that. And we as a church will be together to suffer and to support and to take care of one another if that's what we need to be doing. And then lastly, spend time in the MC and just pray for the MC group that you're a part of. Pray that God will continue to keep our community tightly knit and that we will learn how to support each other in this time. Now we're making a lot of plans It'll be day by day for a little bit, but we will become stronger from this. We will take the opportunities that God is giving us. We've been talking about having opportunities for outreach all the time. We have a lot of really, really realistic out, out, um, outreach opportunities now in this season. And so let's pray. Don't leave the group without praying. Don't leave the group without confessing sins. This could be a powerful time in your life and in the church's life, our church's life. And so... Let's go at it, and uh, we will be in communication. We love you guys. We long to be together again. I know I've said that a bunch of times, but uh, have a blessed time in your group or with your family, and we will be in touch soon. Thank you, guys.